0: Michael
1: hey, Justin, how are you?
0: great thanks and and yourself.
1: I am awesome. Let's do this thing, yeah. fantastic. So busy time for you
0: chaotic, absolute chaos.
1: I love chaos.
0: I love chaos too <laughs> so when 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 we
1: spoke about a month ago we we actually put this off until around now because you were launching, going to launch, something like that. Do you want to just catch me up on where all that stuff stands?
0: yeah, sure thing. So since then, you know, I think that the reason why we needed that month was to kind of try and break our own product, um, you know, run run it through a bunch of final user tests. Sure. And we also ran a uh, giveaway campaign where we're giving away uh, three Oculus headsets, and uh, you know, trying to drive traffic to the to the uh, pre sign up. And so so it's been a lot of talking to our customers, and then. Finally, today, we've pushed it live, which is, uh, which is amazing, I think. You know, a few things came up where we kind of went, you know, are we going to launch on time and do we try and just push it back a week? But, you know, I think we've, we've stayed the course and, and, and we're good now.
1: So, tell, let's go more into detail on this. So, what exactly is the product? Let's give me, give me the name of your company and just go through a bunch of details on like who the clients are, what you, how do you think that looks
0: yeah, absolutely. So, in SpaceX, the company creates a range of AR VR products to solve problems across the end-to-end property development process. Wow, and and we started off we started off in the sales and marketing side, and um, I, I guess backtracking, you know, I, I had bought an apartment two years ago off the plan, like quite literally off a off a drawing and and a handshake, and thought this is kind of this is kind of ridiculous. It's not like you'd buy a car this way. I mean, you wouldn't even buy a car without test driving it. And so, you know, with this idea of, of, you know, being able to step into a space before it exists was really obvious for sales and marketing. And and we did do a bunch of projects there, but as we moved down the value chain, it became obvious that it all starts in architecture where the conceptual design for a property project um, is, is conceived and, and then if the model starts there, then it can be used, you know, in engineering, in construction, in uh, interior design, in the capital raising process, and then in sales and marketing. So that led us to build a product called Riverfox. And Riverfox is software that allows architects to go from CAD to VR in, in just seconds. And... I guess the ROI for, for our users who are who are you know mostly architects is um, being able to step inside the design for the first time. And that does a few things. I think I think my favorite thing about that is is the faces of these architects when they put on a VR headset and they're inside their design and they just go, Wow, because architects I think have joined this profession for the creative expression. And VR is like the ultimate medium for that. So while that's not like a measurable metric, I think it absolutely changes the way people feel about that profession.
1: The wow factor, for lack of a better term, is always really important. And I think you hit on something really key, and that is architecture is not a job. It's, it's a life, right? And I know this because I've got plenty of friends that are architects and you know designers like this, and it's almost like the profession chose them, if that makes any sense, so being able to express that in a way that's so immersive has to be super powerful for them right
0: yeah absolutely i mean for decades they've just kind of been working on paper and 2d so it's an absolute game changer game changer for the profession for their life exactly right
1: can you just can you like unpack this a little bit for me what's the development process like and what's the background of the people on your team that are developing a product that gives an architect the ability because i didn't really know what the product was when we spoke a month ago to literally stand inside their design that's amazing
0: yeah so architects as people us are incredibly busy and i think i think the greatest challenge for my team is that no one actually comes from an architecture or a strong real estate background so the initial first you know two months was literally studying the industry, shadowing architects, going with them to meetings, understanding how they work with uh, you know the engineering guys and the construction guys, and how they think about their designs, what features are useful to them. And one like obvious need was was just was just more time. and so we had to create a product that allowed them to create VR instantly, even if it wasn't the most uh, you know uh, graphically astounding, program with, with a set of features. They wanted something about that. They could just hop in and out really easily. So in the design, so, so you,
1: you mean in the des- and sorry to interrupt you again, but you're talking about in the design process. So I'm in a group of architects, we're designing something together. I've got my team there and, and we're just saying, what would this look like if it was just in three dimensions? So you just hit a button and then you're sitting inside that room or that building, and then you collapse it and you go back to redesigning and iterating it. Is that how that works? That's insane.
0: Exactly. So architects would start in something like a Revit, you know, or a SketchUp, uh, which is 2D CAD software. And, you know, that, this is where the design is, is sort of conceived. And in that design process, yeah, they'll click a button, Riverfox, they'll get into VR, and, you know, they'll be able to do a bunch of things immediately. So we've built in sort of three buckets of features, uh, design, uh, analyze, so like the ability to see, to do lighting analysis or to toggle, toggle layers off, or to take all the materials away and just view it in clay mode uh, and then, and then communicate and and present. So in this stage, you know, they're designing and I think it's about them hopping back and forth uh, from PC and VR. And eventually I think, you know, they'll just be sketching up stuff in VR and then, and then they typically, you know, present to internal stakeholders. And I guess it's, it's removing miscommunication because, you know, often like your, your BIM manager, uh, or your um, BIM is uh, a building information modeling. Uh, your BIM manager, your you know your engineers, your, your client, all going to look at a set of plans differently. But if you actually put them in the space, it's very hard to you know miscommunicate design intent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because most people look at a set of floor plans, or, you know, or two D plans, and just can't visualize it in three D. Like humans just aren't aren't great at doing that.
1: No, and I'll let you know that I designed and built a house in Tokyo. And yet during the design process, the explanation to me of what spaces were going to look like was difficult, right? Because it's hard, like you said, humans are hard to conceptualize things in three dimensions. And being able to have a software tool like this or a tool like this, is just amazing. I'm just, I can't stop thinking about how amazing that would have been in that design process.
0: Yeah. And so, and it's also, I mean, design is both artistic, but it's also considering the physical viability of structures and all yeah, these things and utility, how, you know, pipe. Yeah, exactly right. And so another thing for them is reducing time by quickly picking up things like clash detections or where you know um, a pillar might not be in the right spot and at what sort of structural problems that might cause. And so the metric we're actually trying to achieve here is time saved and reducing the amount of design iterations.
1: Yeah, and also miscommunication. I mean, it's a big deal, right? So in other words, you know, I want a bathroom. But I want it in the front part of my room. The only, the only problem is that all the piping's in the back. So to pull piping into the front part of the room is literally physically impossible and structurally impossible. And just explaining that to somebody who doesn't get it. So the ability to do what you're saying is not just have the external materials be viewable, but to have the internals. You strip away those layers, as you said is going to end up being really powerful in the design process. And it's, it's going to mean that the architects aren't going back and forth and back and forth. And we're just talking about homes, or at least I'm just talking about homes. But if you talk about industrial spaces or commercial spaces, the level of complexity is so much higher, depending on size and scope, that being able to do that is just going to save so much time, energy, money, and miscommunication. It sounds literally amazing to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, that's just design. And then communication – I mean, the most, I think the most exciting thing about this is, is multiplayer. So for you to be able to dial in to, you know, the project that we're discussing and you and I are in the virtual world and having a conversation and I'm pointing stuff to our, you know, out to you and, you know, we're marking up stuff and running the lighting analysis, it literally collapses physical distance and saves you time flying all the way down here as my client as my stakeholder, as my, you know, project lead. And I think that's that's just the future of, I think, work, you know, workplace meetings in general, but especially in architecture where <laughs> you meet inside your projects.
1: It's just amazing. I'm going to keep using the same words over and over again. So I was just on another call where I was talking to somebody about how I think, you know, 70% of your, he said this actually, but 70% of your relationships are based on this sort of face-to-face, you know, time. Where if I can see and look into your eye, if I can see your facial expressions, if I can shake your hand, if I can pat you on the back, it's going to go a much longer way to sort of building a stronger relationship and even understanding just what you're saying. There's always been a big question in my mind about how virtual reality and augmented reality change that, but it also changes proximity and time constraints as well, right? So if you have a New York client developing an oceanfront property in Sydney the necessity for them to fly in every month or every quarter or in Hawaii, whatever it is, it's just minimized because you can have this sort of, like you said, iteration minimization by removing the proximity necessity and being able to meet every week or whatever inside the design and just go, no, no, we can't have curtains that look like this or the door needs to be another place or let's have a slider here as opposed to a regular. Like, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So so who who are your clients? Like, how do you get them And what's the client reaction when they see this product?
0: Yeah, so I I mean, RiverFox is one of our products targeted for architects, and then we've we kind of do these one-off projects, I guess, as experiments with with you know from property developers uh, like Charter Hall, like with we've done projects with guys like JLL and CBRE in the sales agent space. But RiverFox is a SaaS product, and I think we're driving that because you know something like sixty-three percent of architects will be using VR in 2018, according to a report by Chaos Group. And when we walk into sort of the larger firms here in Australia, they've already got VR stuff set up. They're already using VR in their workflows. So our job is to provide them a tool that makes their current workflows a lot simpler. Some of them would have spent, for example, three or four months, you know, building a VR model. Right, experimentally, and we go in and say, "Hey, guys, literally hook this up to your CAD software. Click one button, and it's going to render it for you." And that's where they go. That's amazing. And can we have this and that feature and all that stuff as well? So the, you know, the reaction has been really great, and I think we've got we've got this whole wall of sort of feature requests, and we can we kind of try and um, bundle it. So, so in architecture, you know, I think they're a bit past experimenting.
1: Right. Okay. Especially
0: especially with the bigger guys. Now it's just about how do they get the most value out of it as a business? Because 40% of the typical architecture companies, um, you know, expenses are are, are human resources, right? You know, AKA time. So how do we reduce that? And 60% is like, no, 70% is like design fees. So how do we then, you know, get them to sell more designs and win more projects? Um, That's the journey that we're trying to take, take our customers on now.
1: Right. So if you wanted to give a demo of this product to somebody who, again, was outside of country or even just outside of City, what kind of equipment would they need to be able to do this? And could you actually do a remote demo for somebody? And how would that work?
0: We could do remote demos currently via uh, video if they don't have hardware, which often is the case.
1: But let's let's say I had my own Oculus headset and I had a super high powered computer which frankly is not that hard to have anymore you know that computing cost is cheap let's say i was sitting here in bangkok i I don't have an oculus but let's say i did and i said hey can you just demo to me what this looks like can you show me what it's like to be inside the design with you would that be something that's possible
0: at the moment it would be providing the link getting you to download it running it running your own files uh through room and you know we've got uh, room coaches that would help you do that but absolutely, the moment we get our multiplayer stuff ready, Got we're def- definitely doing demos that way.
1: Okay, I was just curious, and again, it's I'm not I'm not making a value judgment about whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. I just wanted to understand like what was what was possible because that again is a sales tool, right? I mean, I'm just trying to extrapolate forward into basically being able to sit inside the design of anything, right? Like you could sit inside the design of a car as long as it's in three dimensions, right? So all of the things that get designed that are more than just flat surfaces that can now sit inside a product that's similar to River Fox, I think is pretty amazing, right? And if you can do all that remotely, your market now expands from around the corner to around the globe, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So can you talk a little bit more just about the company itself? Like, how did you fund all this? What was that process like for you guys? And how long have you been working on it?
0: So I started in SpaceX off uh, on my own, February of last year. Wow. And and in, yeah, in the previous yeah, so it's been about fourteen months now. Okay. And uh, I you know, before that, I was sort of uh, working in corporate VC at AMP Ventures, which was uh, fintech focused. Yep. Uh, but I also was lucky enough to specialize in AI, and also for the last part of my role in AR and VR. So you know, I met a bunch of incredible startups within the Australian ecosystem and some of them are just you know like amazing experiences I think in AR VR it's it's rare to come across something that is very commercial right still
1: yeah still um, right
0: yeah still you know but but you know nevertheless a lot of pioneering a lot of cool stuff um, and then our and then the fund that I was working for actually shut down so and then around that time, you know, I'd also bought this apartment, like I said, and it just clicked like the moment I put on a VR headset, <laughs> it was like, this is the future of so many things. But gosh, real estate is just so obvious to solve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then I started knocking on the doors of guys like, uh, you know, CBRI and Jello and Macquarie Bank and found out that, well, actually AR-VR was on the roadmap a lot of these guys and um they really know had no idea how to go about navigating the hardware you know what pilots to run so quite immediately we we landed a few you know pilot jobs with with these larger names and it was really good to learn and then i was like okay cool so i've made these sales and and now i need a team and so i two weeks later there was just like vr hackathon being run by a guy called uh you know eric who was um, he was teaching VR at AI, which is game development school. Okay. and I thought this is this is like the perfect ground suit to, to get some guys, because these are the guys who are doing this shit for fun, you know, like on the weekends, right. So so rocked up and um, uh, you know, spoke to a few guys, sort of did the hackathon, learned a lot um on my own, and then sort of brought Eric, uh, Eric, the guy who was running it on board as my business partner. Um, and because he taught there, we then you know poached like his best students. So uh, so now we've got a team of seven full-time. Okay. And yeah, it's been it's been a really fun fourteen months now. Yeah,
1: so I was gonna say, so what do you how does funding look to you going forward? Like and how about hiring as well? How big do you think your team gets? How big do you think this business gets over time? What's the goal really? So the vision is
0: I mean, I think our why is like as people we spend so much time in buildings. You know, we play and eat and work and sleep in buildings so that if we can improve the way that buildings are designed and constructed and maintained, right. then we'll improve the lives of many. Absolutely. That's that's the vision. And I guess what that looks like from a business sense is a bunch of AR, VR products that solve problems across the development process and then all linked to each other. Um, winding it back to today, yeah. um, we yeah, we've kind of had a few sort of uh, angels uh, come on board and, and give us... Um, you know, quite quite a bit of money. Um, and then we've kind of done a few of these uh, larger projects as well, which have brought in early revenue. Okay. I, think, I think revenue moving forward will be uh, mainly from software products, which is great. Um, the guys who have been really eager to partner or give us money have been guys uh, from the real estate backgrounds, uh, which is, which is helpful. We've built a few sort of corporate partnerships here as well. Um, And now we're, you know, going to look to raise our seed, uh, you know, our seed. And I think that, you know, that's going to be a syndicate of two or three uh, investors with a mix of backgrounds from both real estate and XR technology. Right. Makes sense.
1: And, And then once you raise, and I don't think you'll have a hard time raising if the technology is remotely as good as you say it is, right? But after that, how do you scale this thing? What's the growth trajectory for you? And then how do you scale this business to be, you know, outside of your own region and then just a global
0: business? Yeah. So I'm in in the West Coast of the US next month looking to establish um, a sales office there. And also, I think I mentioned to you last time um, in Singapore as well. Um, So that's that's the two places we're looking to sort of get some um, BD guys. And I think it's about them going around, to the architecture companies and demoing our products, um, and then building relationships in those regions. Got it. I think I think we chose those regions because uh, one, because of market size, two, because of the similarity in uh, architectural workflow, and a lot of our customers have you know their headquarters based in in those in those areas, and so key decisions are sort of made there. Um, and then from a product perspective, we've got a second and third uh, product that are currently in d- design stages. Uh, One's an uh, augmented reality product for interior design. Okay. And the third is a construction simulation product that's um, built within VR.
1: So let's just talk about the augmented reality for interior design. Uh, just, Just to be more clear, so I have a space that exists already and I either want to sort of renovate it or take a brand new space and just interior design it. You just are using the same principles that you've used with the architectural design process, and just saying we're going to place people inside of it, and they can just swap out materials and furniture and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I won't give away too much, but basically, I think what's what's really great about business is eighty percent of the DNA that we have in Riverfox, we can actually reuse in other products, and it's that feature layer that is is different for each for each uh, sort of user segment. Yep. But exactly the, the idea is to be able to, uh, you know, design within VR and then get things like, you know, cost estimates to be able to punch out reports uh, and to and, you know, it, it's a sales tool to, to put in front of clients as well.
1: Ah, uh, interesting. So I hadn't thought about that angle too. In other words, I, I, as a client, sit there, not just get to see what it is, but also in real time, I can also see what the potential costs are by connecting to suppliers and stuff. That's really powerful too.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, so much advertising revenue in this medium because you're no longer limited to screens and, you know, all these building materials companies, uh, you know, for furniture and paints and uh you know and white goods all actually have 3d models already so um we're sort of having a few conversations in the background now in optimizing them so that it can be used in vr
1: yeah so that was going to be my next question is what's the competition like out there right now and you know you had mentioned something that i didn't really know yet and that was that in the architectural space that people are actually employing virtual reality i just hadn't thought about it. it makes sense But they're just not using it in the same way and with the same speed and sort of scale that you are designing into it. So what is the competition like out there? When you go to the United States, like who are you competing with? And the same thing in Singapore, I guess. I don't know who the
0: players are. Yeah, so I think all the traditional software vendors are looking into this space, right? Like the guys like Autodesk and they've put out Autodesk Live. You have guys like Fusor and Enscape who okay. have, uh, you know, I think traditionally with desktop products and then they've bolted, you know, VR capabilities on top. Right. We see ourselves as more VR first software. So we've kind of um, spent hundreds of hours within VR designing, uh, you know, for VR and then connecting it back to desktop. Got it. And then one of the players who we really like and who do this really well uh, is Iris, who are based in New York, I think.
1: Okay. You also
0: have uh, a focus on on multiplayer as well, and I think multiplayer, you know, as a business, is great in building network effects and you know building building defensibility and sort of um, it's it's a much easier decision decision to buy Riverfox when you know um, your colleagues or your clients are using Riverfox.
1: I'm being silent only because I'm just trying to think of the possibilities. Of that, you keep saying multiplayer, right? And it just it's, it evokes games and gamification for me. I want to try to think about it outside the gaming context, right? For sure, because, like you said, you're building a commercial product, and in VR there aren't that many commercial products. They're mostly you know people existing in the gaming space, and that's neat, right? But it's not as neat to me as the non-gaming space. But you're right. If it's multiplayer, five people in different locations can look at the same design at the same time both from a client perspective and from a designer perspective, meaning the architect itself or the interior designer or even the construction product that we didn't touch on yet, now you're talking about real network effects as well because you're just much more likely to say, hey, Lisa, come here, take a look at this thing, but you don't have the software license, so you have to get more. And that kind of network effect is, again, really powerful. So once you get the multiplayer thing out there, Like you said, I'll be really curious to see how those network effects play out and particularly how that sales channel works out both in the United States and in the rest of Southeast Asia if you're going to end up in Singapore. In Asia in particular, with the growth in Asia itself, just the ability – you know a a new condo goes up in Bangkok every other day, right? But the ability to be able to design that stuff and sell that stuff and interior design it and just construct it, there are just so many angles for this software – seems to be really exciting as well you may find that you're busier in Asia than you are in the United States to be fair no
0: yeah absolutely agree you know we've had conversations there with uh, some of the local developers in uh, in Singapore in Beijing and uh, they're much more open to you know um, investing in in the technology and sort of driving it forward so so absolutely competition wise you know Michael I think I think it's it's almost like I think I kind of feel like we're a cohort and we're also trying to together educate the industry and sort of find the best way to do things like multiplayer and materials and so it's it's almost like we're trying to you know push the industry forward um, in a way and all kind of from different angles so, uh, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what is getting adopted and what features are um, are valued the most.
1: Yeah, and another interesting thing to me is, right, so not everybody is so accepting of technology from the get-go, right? You're going to find some businesses that just say, wow, I get it, this VR thing is really working for me, the AR thing I get completely. But you're also, I presume you're getting some pushback from people who say, this is just like a bell and whistle, which we don't need. I'm just curious what that pushback looks like if you've seen any of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think the typical objections we get, are, I don't want to put that thing on, <laughs> you know, pointing at the viable Oculus that I'm holding. The headset. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, the industry, the VR industry has gotten um, a bit of a bad rap from the initial mobile experiences or, or, you know, I don't know, cheap rollercoaster experiences that make people sick.
1: Right, right, And right. so
0: some people who've already been turned off of VR are just, you know, anti-VR no matter what application you put in front of them the second is i think having the time you know having the willingness to invest the time to get the revenue strategy right um, for for vr within the organization so it's like okay well we're only going to adopt vr if our clients ask for it or if our clients you know will pay for it Otherwise, you know, they're just as happy paying for 2D renders and PC walkthroughs.
1: Interesting. I, I think those architects are going to go away, right? And again, they're probably of a certain age or just a certain experience, but you can't always wait for your clients to tell you they want something. I mean, famous entrepreneurs are always say, like, if I waited for my clients to tell me they wanted something, I'd never build anything.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So I think, you know, it's just like when the wind changed, some people build windmills and some people build walls. And our early adopters are the people who, you know, who who want to build windmills, who are already, you know, preparing for this sort of new wave of change. I think, and, you know, the younger demographic very clearly sees that this is the future of their profession. And so we're working with a few universities locally to try and get, you know, VR into their syllabus and, you know, providing sort of student licenses to these, um, you know, bachelor's degrees so that when they come out they they have that professional familiarity with VR as a medium, and then they, you know, Go to their bosses and say, "Hey, well, you know, I I use VR to design, <laughs> or I use Riverfox to present to my clients."
1: Right. So, can you comment on the universities at least that are near you that are interested in something like this?
0: Yeah. So, in the past year, we've seen you know guys like us being invited in to do talks and how VR can be applied to the industry. And then towards the second half of last year, we saw, pro, you know. Um, the universities investing in some hardware for the students to play with on projects. But I think moving forward, the challenge is actually getting it, getting it into the syllabus as, as formal training, as, you know, a formal design process. And uh, it takes time. It, it, it takes time, but I, th- but the interest is definitely there from, from the universities, which we're happy about.
1: Right. So in the same way that they'll offer a drafting class, which I, I you know, maybe that does or doesn't still exist, but in the same way, they'll offer a drafting class, Then they can then sort of power it up and offer VR drafting or VR design in a bunch of different sort of disciplines, right?
0: Exactly right. And I think, you know, it's larger companies that are going to push forward and then create the data that proves the ROI. Yeah, from VR, sure. and then you have the universities, the small guys, will sort of jump on.
1: Yeah. So one last thing, I'll ask you, and then I'll let you go because I'm sure you must be busy. Is what's your relationship like with the device makers, right? So whether it's HTC or with Oculus or Magic Leap, at, at all, and like, how are they looking at this space? from a hardware side. You're looking at all this. I, I know you're using the hardware, but what's your relationship like with them and how do you get build a better relationship so that their devices can be easier to use for both your clients and your clients' clients? We yeah. haven't
0: actually reached out to try and build those formal relationships uh, with them yet. I think, you know, every AR and VR startup is, is trying to build relationships with these guys. And some of these guys run programs, but I think the hardware uh, space is competitive enough to sort of drive to drive the experience forward. And I think we're happy just to, um, you know, pick stuff off the shelf, experiment with it. And, you know, the, the stuff is the stuff they're putting out there is really progressing it is. quickly. And, you know, I think for us, it's just about being device agnostic. Um, and then, you know, our, our customers often do ask us, you know, what sort of setup should we have here? Do we use Oculus? Do we use Vive? And we will, depending on the needs, recommend um, a, a full set of equipment.
1: Got it. Look, I don't want to take up any more of your time. This has been a fascinating discussion for me. And unless there's anything else that you want to add today, I'll let you get back to work. I really want to say thank you, Justin, for just educating me in a whole bunch of different places about how you're using VR. We mentioned XR, right, as well, because it's more than just virtual reality in this architecture space, but also some of the ideas you have going forward. So I really appreciate your time. This has been awesome.
0: Thanks, Michael. It's been lots of fun chatting.